Tony. Don't tell me down, you piece of shit. Shut your mouth. Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You Wow, what a event, AEW Dynamite. Welcome in to this very special Good Karma Wrestling, along with a shock Gabe Neitzel and Brian Rowitz. I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for being with us here for AEW at the Kia Forum in Los Angeles. If you got a chance to watch that, it was an amazing show, Brian, from Los Angeles at the Forum. Yeah, it's like a, they sort of pander to their audience. Like It's like they went out there in a Clipper shirt or something. They knew what they were doing tonight on this Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> right here in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, unbelievable, Gabe, what we saw at, in Los Angeles for MJF. He goes scorched earth on a promo. He had what a, a really great moment on Dynamite. I mean, it. I don't know about you guys. Like, this was Mike Drop 2.0. Like, he hit on a lot of the same – or, excuse me, Pipe Bomb 2.0. He hit on a lot of the same points that CM Punk did even years ago when he dropped the Pipe Bomb in Las Vegas. Like, he's talking about the company, and he's talking about the guys in the back, and he's talking about how he's the best, and nobody can touch him, which you might have a point, especially tonight's unbelievable promo. And this is where pro wrestling, I think, operates best. When you can blur the lines of reality and storyline and just be able to blur it all together, because I, I have no doubt that MJF certainly beef with Tony Khan. He certainly is upset with AEW, but he's not upset enough that he's going to continue to walk out. They're now turning it into a story. They gave him the open mic, only cutting him off at the end. Very similar to what they did with CM Punk back with the pipe bomb in 2011. So it was a tremendous promo, and I am really curious to see where they go from here. And I think that's the best part. Like this weekend when everyone was like, oh, is this real? Is it work? Like what's going on here? Because MJF is so good and so good at towing that line, that's why there was so much uncertainty this weekend. Up until, you know, they did a good job playing the music longer to start the show. So he's like, is he going to be here? And then even after the match, everyone's like, okay, it was booked that way. We're not going to see him for a while. Like, that's a credit to MJF, all that speculation we saw on Sunday. How about some of the lines that we heard from the promo uh, for AEW Dynamite? One of them is, I don't want to be here anymore. He says he hits grand slams on a weekly basis. Not home runs, grand slams. And he talked about how he's the only wrestler that makes you feel. Let's talk about that just for a second. So MJF, as young as he is, I've said this on multiple occasions, MJF in any generation would get over because it is true. He does not do flips and tope suicidas. He doesn't do crazy stuff over the top rope to try to get get himself over. What gets him over is his promo and his ability in the ring. That style was, was good in the 70s. It was good in the 80s and 90s. It is good in 2022. It actually, in a lot of ways, Gabe, just sets him apart from everybody else. Hey, listen, the modern wrestler likes to be able to do flips and likes to be able to give you, you know, holy shit moments and five-star matches. And MJF in that promo told you that that's not who he is. He says he makes you feel. That's exactly who he is. Yeah, and you can see why WWE would be, in, in you know, interested in him because of that in-ring 
ring style. And it's an in-ring style that's going to make him relevant. It's going to keep him around for a long time. And because of his ability to tell a story. And it's not, it's not just in the ring. It's his ability to tell a story on the microphone. I mean, the number you think of some of the best moments in EW over the last 18 months, um, it's a lot of it has it has to do with MJF. The, uh, the the musical number he sang with Chris Jericho, which was outrageous, by the way, like just so, but but fun. And he nailed it absolutely to the story he just got done telling with Wardlow, which was a completely different note. You know, so he just he shows he's got that range. I mean, Tony Khan, if he can, needs to give this man everything he wants because he's certainly future. I think wrestling, wherever he goes, he is going to be an immediate success, whether he leaves the company in 2024 and goes to WWE, whether he sticks around with AEW. This guy is the future of pro wrestling because he's a fantastic heel, and the heels are always the most... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you mentioned Wardlow, you mentioned Jericho, and then you had Punk in between that as well. And to Hood's point, like, he's not putting on five-star matches, and that's fine because he's still getting that emotion. He's still getting the crowd to invest. The reason Wardlow is so over right now is because of how hated MJF is. Like, he is one of the tops. I'd say he's the top heel in wrestling. Like, I don't think there is a close second. Roman's up there, but I don't think he's that close to MJF in terms of heel work right now. He is the future of wrestling. I completely agree with you there, Gabe. Like, it's impressive what he's able to do and the way he's going to be able to save his body. This has a decade of success written over it, and that's why, like, this weekend was so fun. I was hoping it didn't lead to him leaving, and the fact that it led to tonight was just perfect. That, and I think that the overarching point that we've made here already tonight, that is that if you have a, real, a realistic storyline or something that's actually really happening, you throw it into a story, and it does blur the lines for sure. But I want to make sure that it's very clear what we saw tonight in Los Angeles. We did not see Maxwell Jacob Friedman. We saw Max Friedman. That's how he started off the promo, saying that this ain't MJF, this is Max Friedman, talking about here's the guy here that's the worker, the guy that comes in that's not the character. He wanted everyone to know that this is who he is, and, and without saying Tony Khan's name, he kept talking to the curtain, talking to the back. What we saw, guys, is the Stone Cold Steve Austin promo. That's what we saw right there. That's how big that is, what we saw tonight. Everyone's going to talk about the, the pipe bomb from CM Punk, even though, again, that was scripted. There was kind of a, a shooted, scripted promo. This one was scorched earth. And so what we saw is the dawning of MJF turning into a baby face. That's what it happened. Because of all the things that was said, there was a lot of boos. There was some cheers as well. And it, and it kind of confused the audience because they weren't sure exactly what was going on. But the bottom line is, is that we're, we're on the way to see MJF not only as a babyface, but the world heavyweight champion at some point in this company. Well, I know so, the champion, but to be a face, don't you need Tony to be the heel in that situation, though? Oh, I don't think that Tony minds. I, the boss I is you, always the heel. Boss is always right. the heel. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, he's stat boy Tony. That wasn't even Tony Khan. He called him stat boy Tony, did he not? Now, listen, I don't need to see MJF versus Tony Khan to decipher who's the babyface and heel in this spot. But people can understand, as a worker, people know how great MJF is. And so they're going to side with the talent more so than the, the boss in that spot, won't they? Yeah, I would think so. I'm really curious what happens from here. I don't know where you go from here. I mean, are you going to tell a storyline of 
MJF trying to get fired? What does that look like? Is that him throwing matches? Is that him coming out and swearing as much as he did tonight, even with all the executives in attendance? Um, I, I don't know what that is. If he wants to be fired, is that the storyline? How do they go about doing that? It's, but I'm intrigued, like locked in. There is no way I am missing Dynamite next week because I want to know what MJF is going to do. Well, from a number standpoint, the one of the truth that he told, he says that, you know, when he's out there, was the second most watched, is that what he said, yeah. Brian? The second most watched guy out there as far as ratings are concerned. Listen, the ratings don't matter as much as it is. Who do you want to see when he comes out there? Right. We talk so much about the pillars of, of WWE or the pillars of AEW. Uh, MJF is definitely one of those guys. But he's been able to have all of these great matches against veteran wrestlers. You saw what he did with Wardlow at Double or Nothing. So the next best thing for him is to go babyface. And, yeah, Gabe, you know what I think? I think every week he's going to be a disturbance and, a, and someone that's going to bother AEW whether it's something that's going to piss off Tony Khan or piss off the wrestlers, I think fans will dig it. I think people will be into it. The, the kind of not necessarily MJF, but Max Friedman. That's a different guy. So we're going to get into kind of more of the fallout a little bit from Double or Nothing. We're definitely going to be previewing Hell in a Cell during our regular show tomorrow. Make sure you check it out, GKW, on uh, these same social media channels. And if you want to podcast it, make sure you do that as well. But we're more focusing on tonight's show. So after MJF, what stood out to you about tonight's Dynamite, the first one in Los Angeles? Because it was a fun show. MJF was clear number one. There's a gap between whatever else is coming after. That because that's how big I think the MJF thing was. But what else stood out to you guys? I mean, I guess the return of Miro, but like it felt like it didn't have that big moment. You know, Lana or whatever she goes by now tweeted out earlier, like, hey, I think I want to go see Dynamite tonight out of the blue. So everyone just sort of said, oh, okay, I guess Miro's coming back tonight. I wish that would have been a bigger deal because I think he could be a legit star. Other than that, I mean, it was a fun show. It was a typical, you know, good Dynamite. I thought the women's tag match, even though we've seen it, was really good. But other than that, like, nothing really storyline-wise. I guess blood and guts is the other thing. Yeah, um, well, I just – Yeah, I'm, I was – Go ahead. I was disappointed with CM Punk tonight. Like, I was, you know, I mean, to build up what they did, have him win the championship, he comes out, six-man tag to start with FTR, which was fine. It was a fun match. But it got a little sloppy at the end. He got slipped as he tried to do the springboard when he came in for the hot tag at the end. It was just a little disappointing. I was expecting a little bit more, you know, in the promo that him and FTR ended up coming, cutting, kind of rambled a little bit as well before you finally get, you know, the tease for Forbidden Door coming up at the end of the month. I, I, I guess I was looking forward to seeing what they would set up in AEW. But clearly the next big thing for them is making sure that they push the pay-per-view and start setting up the door now that they're past double or nothing. Well, I guess, guys, just the, a couple of things stood out. First, just the idea that AEW is running the forum in Los Angeles. Um, historically, in the late 80s for the NWA and WCW, they did not uh, draw well. It, it was just kind of a secondary building. The WWF tried to uh, run there, and they said, no, we're going to go to the Anaheim Pond instead. And they had ran shows there instead of the forum. So it has not been like the best for wrestling, but to see it full and for people to be excited to see AEW in Los Angeles, especially in that building, uh, the old Lakers building, I think, think that's awesome. It's great that AEW is able to run there and uh, and really draw well. They're going to be in Ontario on Friday in California, so that's going to be great. 
The other thing too, but to your point, Gabe, about um, CM Punk, I don't think that CM Punk is healthy. There's something wrong there because if you notice from the beginning on the ramp, he was adjusting something with his foot or his ankle. And at the end of the match, he was still like on his uh, kind of stooping down, trying to adjust his ankle or foot. There's something going on with Punk where he's not necessarily 100%. Hey, he it was in a match uh, for the heavyweight championship with Hangman Page, and there was some mistakes made there. I know that he's beating himself up over it because I saw the press conference and he's pissed off that he cannot get that buckshot lariat. He, he missed it twice. And then uh, and we saw tonight, there was kind of like a, a little bit of a misstep. So I don't know if he's healthy. I thought the match could have been better if Punk was a little bit, you know, a little bit more sharper. But CM Punk against FTR, just to see those two, that those three together was great for that six man. Uh, we already know that the um, that the acclaimed is over. Max Caster making, They're a, so good. making a shot. They're at, so good. Making a, take, Taking a shot at the Johnny Depp trial uh, with, with the ass boys. Why not? I just think, Why not? I think it's cool. I know it was really cool. I do feel like to Gabe's point, though, like Forbidden Door, like they're not used to having pay-per-views this close. You know, they have four weeks counting tonight, so now they have three more Wednesdays to promote that show. I feel like the Tanahashi thing should be a bigger deal, but like it's so just not on the radar tonight. And I don't know if that's because of him or because the MJF thing was so big, but that should be a bigger deal that we're getting Tanahashi and Punk in three weeks, shouldn't it? I guess I would have preferred them to let double or nothing breathe a little bit, you know, sure. and have, you know, have Punk kind of cut whatever promo he wants. You know, if it's babyface promo, clearly he's still giving babyface despite kind of teases from the promo showdown that you had last with him and Hangman Page. But he was clearly babyface. He's diving in the crowd as he comes out tonight. He's having a good time with the AEW World Championship. I guess I would just let let that breathe a little bit and then, in the next three weeks, the show's already sold out. Like, you don't have to worry about selling tickets at the United Center. You got to worry about people buying the pay-per-view, sure. But I think you've got enough time if you wait those three weeks and start building up the card. Then. Ah, spoken like a guy that's been to a lot of WWE shows. You see, there's a difference. See, there's a difference between the companies right there. See, that's what Vince would have done. But your first time in Los Angeles, you've got executives in the crowd. You're going to try to put your best put forward. That's why CM Punk was out there. If this was, by the way, if this wasn't, if this is in Roanoke or Savannah, Georgia, or someplace, or Madison, Wisconsin, if it's in, <laughs> in, 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 in towns like that, yeah, you probably would have seen like Jade starting off first or something like that, right? But because it's in no Los offense, Angeles. No offense to our leaders in Madison. In no, I'm just, I'm just saying, nothing, not, hey, nothing wrong with a C-town. All I'm saying is, is that you, <laughs> All I'm saying is, is that you have to make sure that you put your best talent out there forward. And that's why they started off with the heavyweight champion because it's the first time in LA. So I get that. I just, I think there's something going on with Punk. And I wish this matchup with him and Tanahashi was 10 years ago, but it's sure. happening now. So we'll see what happens. But are you disappointed it's not Okada? Like, I feel like everyone, once he got the belt, it's like, all right, we're going champ first champ. Like, does that disappoint you at all? No, that's what Brian Danielson's there for. Oh, uh, okay. You can do it that way. Would you would you see that? Would you how about that match? Oh yeah, I'm I'm good with anything. Yeah, I feel I, like yeah, I'll say Danielson the right one and I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. We were wondering who who's gonna be some of the matchups for New Japan and AEW. Um, you know what? I think you know, some of the top talent against any of the AEW guys, I think they're gonna put on a great match. I think Forbidden Door is gonna be pretty solid be a fun pay-per-view for certain uh let's go ahead uh talk about what your favorite match of tonight it was uh if you're unfamiliar with gkw we go through our favorite match of the week 
toward the end of each and every podcast. What was your match of the night for Dynamite this evening in Los Angeles? So for me, I'm going to go to the women's tag match, even though we've seen it before. Like, I was pretty impressed by that. Like, Britt going out there. I didn't think she should have won on Sunday, which we'll get to a little bit more tomorrow night. But I thought that tag match was pretty good. It, you know, got the crowd really into it. And that was my match of the night, the two, those four in the ring. Yeah, I mean, the, the way they got the crowd just eating out the palm of their hand. Like, I mean, with, with a couple of the slip-ups that CM Punk had, as hot as he was coming out for his entrance, like, there was there were a couple of boos out there when he tried to go up to the top rope and springboard down. There were a couple of boos. Uh, the Wardlow match was a typical Wardlow match. It was fun. He powerbombs guys. Looks cool. Um, John Moxley's an insane person. Like, I have no idea why he feels the need to bleed that much on cable television on a Wednesday night. But, hey, do your thing, man. I love my Do your thing. Stay true to our bud. Um, the 10-man tag was fun, but I'm with you. I thought the, the women just killed it tonight. I thought the, uh, the the tag match for them was absolutely spectacular. I really hope that Ruby Soho is really starting to get to her own in AEW. Ruby Soho had to get her win back, brother. Got to get the win back. I mean, after you, you lose you, that double or nothing. How, huh? How do you bring in Rancid and then lose in the pay-per-view? Like, you bring <laughs> Rancid in. Okay, that's that's more for tomorrow night. That's more of a rant tomorrow night on our regular. We're going to recap uh, Double or Nothing. But still, like you bring in Rancid. You pay the money to bring in that band. You play Ruby Soho to the ring. She loses? I, I, I don't know how Taz is not on, on commentary singing along. He's been singing the Ruby <laughs> Soho show, the little song, all the time. I don't know how he wasn't at that commentary for that. Um. You know, uh, well, the reason why it happened is swerve, bro. Swerve, bro. That's what they do. The old Vince Russo swerve. That's what happened there, I think. Um, I, You know what? I think all of us agree that the women put on the best match there. I mean, it's it's um, Dr. Britt Baker and it's Jamie Hayter. I mean, when Britt Baker's out there, and especially with Tony Storm, we're talking about two fabulous talents. And I would say Ruby Ho- uh, Soho is right there as well. I'm a Jamie Hayter fan. I just think that we haven't, she hasn't, really scratched the surface of how good she can be as a talent. So I just think that they did a good job. I, I mean, the 10 man tag, it was just, it was, it was fine. Um, Hikaleo coming out of nowhere. Like I didn't expect him to even be at the show. You know, this is kind of the mystery of AEW, right guys? I mean, you don't know who's going to come through the curtain. All of a sudden there's new Japan people and there's a bullet club and like, but what, what, also, the here? weird part about that is like, it's originally announced as the 10 man then Jeff's not clear. So it's like, okay, we'll do an eight man. Then it goes back to the 10-man, and, you know, you throw Darby in there, but then why didn't Cole just get thrown back in there? Because he was taken out when Jeff Hardy was taken out. So, yeah, that was a random one. And also to your Jamie Hayter point, the seeds sort of being planted, I think they did a little bit, you know, a few months ago, but about the split up with her and Britt, like that sort of stare down with the belt. So there might be something there, maybe something to do for Britt, where hopefully, in my eyes, Jamie gets to go over her and sort of make her into another star. It's like two tortoises. It's like It's like two tortoises now. It's like... The Christian turn, or right? The Jamie Hader turn. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's slowly. We won't find out what's going to happen until like 2024 with this. It's amazing, right? Would you just turn already? Somebody turn. <laughs> the slow burn. Um, yeah. Kudos to AEW because I think one of the biggest concerns, the biggest criticisms has been their women's division. And I think we're starting to see some depth being built within that women's division. I mean, we saw Athena out there earlier. Looks like she's going to be the next challenger for Jade Cargill, which could be a fun match. Um, you mentioned Jamie Hayter, clearly Torm, and Ruby Soho, big stars. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, she's a former champ. Like, I think we're starting to see the the depth being in that 
women's division in AEW, and they're beginning to be showcased. I mean, there were multiple women's storylines that were showcased tonight, and typically in the past, it feels like they've only had time for one. So kudos to them for uh, being able to find, in a jam-packed, being able to find, you know, room for, for that tonight. Yeah, and and this, by the way, the side-by-side of Jade and Athena, <laughs> holy smokes. I understand Jade was wearing heels, but take the heels off, and it's it's, it's Andre against Rey Mysterio. <laughs> Seriously, it's just like, I could not believe how small that Athena was. It just shows you camera work, right? I just thought she was an average-sized woman, but then against uh, next to Jade, it's like, well, this is David and Goliath. How can Athena get over? And there's a story right there. I think it's embedded. Uh, and we saw Stokely Carmichael on the mic uh, for the first time since being at NXT. So I just think the little things, playing the little seeds was good. But um, ultimately, MJF, I mean, this will be the episode we'll remember, right? After double or nothing, MJF just going scorched earth, a guy that is going after Tony Khan. I just, I love this story, man. I love this. This is something that's in reality. He's looking to get a new contract, and yet he's he's talking about it openly in front of everybody in L.A. That was just an amazing, amazing moment tonight. The other thing I'll throw out there, so apparently during the commercial break, Punk came out to, like, talk to MJF. You know, we'll see, you know, off-camera, Punk, or MJF ignored and walked to the crowd. We talk about what's next. I say we don't see MJF for a few weeks, and he ruins the main event, and we don't get a true finish at Forbidden Door. Like, MJF comes out and just ruins that main event and gets that heat from Chicago and continues to say, hey, I'm effing with your company. This is your prize duel. You don't get a finish in Punk and Tanahashi. I don't like that. I don't mind that idea. That's that's a good way to go with that. Instead of, like, like wow. I think that I think that's a good way to go with it. And yeah, continue to expand that storyline. That's that's something. That's that's Max Friedman out there, everybody. Max Friedman. That's what he tells you. That's who he is. And I'll tell you what, man. I'm I'm totally behind it because it freshens up the character. Because yeah. if he doesn't do this, then what's next, right? Next, he gets into another program where he gets over to a certain certain extent. He has a match where he's got to put the other guy over, and then onto the next thing, right? That's what he's been doing since he's been here. The CM Punk uh, battle, the Jericho battle. They all been great. Uh, and and the, the great thing about a heel, you may not agree with what he's saying, but he has a reason to say it, right? And this is MJF. He's making his points. And a lot of the points he hit, they were true. They were really true. And so he's telling you the truth based on what, how, his experience, and now he's taking it out on Tony Khan. I can't wait to see what happens next week. Yeah, I'm 100% there with you. We've got plenty of things to talk about there. I'm sure we'll, for the next 24 hours before we do our show, we're or I should say, because uh, we'll be on at 6 Eastern Central, uh, 5% tomorrow night with more GKW. We're going to be scouring, scouring. Did I do the math right? You, you... No. Yeah, that is the graphics for 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, 6 Central. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever he says. There's a guy that works morning grind right there. Oh, man. But I am but I am past bedtime. I'll tell you that right now. My brain is no longer. Me and you working. both. Me and you both. But you know what? We did this for you, Los Angeles, because first time AEW is in LA. So we want to do a pop-up show just to say what's up to ESPN Los Angeles and everyone else that's watching and listening on the podcast. Don't forget we're here tomorrow. We have a special guest on Thursday as well, Gabe. Yes, we do. Uh we're gonna be talking with Mr. Rosenberg. Is he gonna come on and help us break down hell in a cell? 
as uh, that's going to be coming up this weekend for, for WWE. We're going to recap everything that happened in the world of Double or Nothing at AEW. Again, see if there's any more rumors out there with the promo that MJF cut tonight. That's all coming up tomorrow night, an action-packed regular edition of G.